Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I'm excited. We're gonna jump into a message. And I have to say, every time that I preach, I'm excited. And every time I get to share something on my heart, um, I get pretty pumped about it. But every now and then there's a message that I can just tell you it has been birthed out of a whole lot of trial and error, a whole lot of personal pain, um, a whole lot of moments where God has moved in my life and helped me to grow. And so I'm kind of preaching out of the overflow of that. Can I just say I have a lot on my heart and I feel full and so we're gonna dive right in. I wanna start by just asking you this question. Have you ever had a thought And it's like, no matter how hard you tried to stop thinking about that thought, to replace that thought with another thought, it's almost like it just lives rent-free in your mind. Can anybody relate to this? It happens to me when I do something stupid. Like, have you ever thought somebody was waving at you and you wave back to them and only to realize they were waving at the person behind you that they're really friends with, you know, and then you just try to play it off like you were, you know, itching your head and And then you're laying in bed at 3 a.m. just staring at the ceiling. God, why? Why am I so awkward? You know, like things like that. But I thought maybe I'd give you an example. I think this is a pretty good one. If you know it, guys, can you cue it in the back? Sing along with me. Anybody? All the parents are going to know this. You ready? Come on, sing it along. Baby. Mama shark. All right, cut it, cut it. I don't know about you, but when I first heard this song, my kids told me about this song. There was no part of me that enjoyed this song. There was no part of me that thought it was a catchy song, but I could not unhear this song for months. And it would pop up in the most awkward, weird places when I didn't ask for it. It lived rent-free in my mind for a really long time. And, you know, that's a very small, annoying example but I think it might be a small picture of a way bigger problem for all of us because I wonder how many of us have some thoughts. Maybe they're toxic thoughts or intrusive thoughts, thoughts that are absolutely wreaking havoc on our mind, and they just live rent-free in our mind. And they're stopping us from doing what God has called us to do. I wonder if some of us might struggle with that. And you know, this is something that blew me away. Did you know that the average person each day of their life thinks over 70,000 thoughts. Can you believe that? Now, scientists tell us that 75% of the thoughts that you think are negative. Like just in our human nature, kind of our human bent, there is something about the way that we think that skews to the negative. Not only that, did you know that you have over 6,200 chains of thought every day? In other words, this thought leads to that thought, leads to that thought. You ever started thinking something and then you're like, I don't even know how I ended up over here in my mind, but my mind is a crazy place, right? 6,200 chains of thought. And I think it's interesting to use that phrase, chains of thought, because I wonder how many of us live chained by the thoughts that we entertain. I wonder how many of us live in almost this invisible prison of the thoughts that we are thinking. Now, you might be wondering, why do thoughts matter that much? And here's why they matter. Because the Bible says, as a man, as a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. And so in other words, your thoughts are shaping the very reality of the life that you live. Isn't that interesting? And so for all of us, this is a really big deal. We have to know what thoughts we're thinking. And isn't it interesting that we call them trains of thought? Isn't that interesting? Because 
thoughts take you somewhere, don't they? Like every thought comes from somewhere and every thought takes you somewhere. I wanna ask you a question. Would you ever board a train that is labeled Chicago and expect to end up in New York? No, we would never do that. But how many of us want to board a train that has negativity and anxiety and depression and all of the crazy things that the enemy would love to throw at us, and then we somehow expect that we're gonna live a life of peace and wholeness, and, and somehow we have to recognize there's a connection there because if we're not careful, trains of thought can become chains of thought in a hurry, can't they? Now, real quick, let's just go over a couple of different types of thoughts, and if you didn't know this, whenever we have a message, you can go on our website, believers.cc, click on the watch listen tab, and then you just pick the specific message and there are notes available that you can follow along with. Uh, Or what I would encourage you to do is take notes and throughout the week, just look back at those and ask God, would you speak to me what I need to hear from this message today? So remember, every thought comes from somewhere and every thought takes you somewhere. Let's talk about some different sources. I wanna just list three, three sources that our thoughts can come from. Here's the first one, it's us. You know, just because we're a human and we have a mind, our mind can generate thoughts, right? You ever just have a thought and you just think to yourself, man, I need some help. Like, I think I need some counseling. Look, can, can somebody lay hands on me after the service? Because like, I love God with all of my heart, but that was a really stupid thought, you know? And this is, this is just part of being a human. It's part of living in, in a body and You know, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person. So welcome to Club Human. Sometimes we have crazy thoughts. Now, here's the second uh, source of thoughts. It's thoughts from God. It's God thoughts. Now, what does the Bible say about God's thoughts? It says God's thoughts are what? Higher than my thoughts, and his ways are higher than my ways. And so it ought to be our desire as a follower of Jesus that we can read from the word of God and we can allow the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us to lead us and guide us in all truth. And the way he does that is he puts thoughts in our mind. The Bible says we ought to have the mind of Christ. And so it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. We're gonna talk about that today. Now, here's the third source of our thoughts and it's an important one. It's thoughts from the enemy, thoughts from the devil. This is the main place that he conducts warfare against us, by the way. Remember, he wants to steal and kill and destroy, and all of it starts in between our ears. There is a battle that is being waged up there every second of every day. And he would love for all 70,000 thoughts that come through your mind, that fire through those synapses to be thoughts that discourage you, that hold you back, that live rent-free in your mind and stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Now, real quick, let's just take a second and let's talk about some different types of thoughts that the enemy would love to plant in our minds. Here's the first one. It's tormenting thoughts. Thoughts of torment. You know, I've had a beautiful life, was raised as a pastor's kid. I honestly had all the tools of love and support and spiritual teaching that anybody could ever hope for. But can I tell you that that did not make me exempt from having to learn how to fight off thoughts from the enemy. And this is the main place that the enemy tends to attack me. And I have to be honest and say, as I was preparing for this message this week, I had to fight off thoughts. 
And so again, welcome to Club Human. This is not something that any person is exempt from. Pastor Joe is not exempt from this. Billy Graham was not exempt from this. There is no person on planet Earth that does not have to fight these battles and wage the war in our minds. And some of them are tormenting thoughts. So let's talk about what a tormenting thought might look like. A tormenting thought, maybe a clinical psychologist might call it an intrusive thought. And these are thoughts of intense discouragement, maybe severe shame. For some of us, it might look like I'm not blank enough, and you could fill in your blank with anything. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. And our culture is really great at taking those thoughts and exacerbating them and making them worse when we compare ourselves to other people. Maybe it's a thought of shame, and you think to yourself, God must be mad at me. There's no way that God could love me. If you really knew who I was and what I think and what I've done and where I've come from and what a, what a lie from the enemy, but it's an intrusive thought. For some of us, it's a thought of hopelessness. And I really felt like today God wanted to set some people free from this one. You just have this in your mind that my, de- my best days are behind me. There's really nothing great that's in my future. And so then we start to kind of disqualify ourselves from God ever doing anything great through us. And we start thinking, is life really worth living? And, and it just becomes this hopeless, nihilistic way of living life. Maybe it's just a thought of discouragement that results from that, that, man, I don't really think that God has a hope or a future for me. But they're, they're these thoughts that are tormenting us as we walk through life. How about this? This is a big one. I have definitely struggled with this. Thoughts of temptation, You ever battled a temptation? It could be the biggest thing in the world or it could be the smallest thing in the world, but every day the enemy is placing thoughts of temptation in our minds. You know, I was thinking about Jesus. He models for us what we can do when we experience temptation. Remember, he has his big baptism party. It's kind of his coming out party. He's going public and God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the very next chapter, what happens? He is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And what happens in the wilderness? The enemy, Satan, tempts him. You know what's interesting? Satan takes the word of God and twists it and abuses it and misuses it. But what is Jesus' answer when he's in the wilderness? He combats it with the word of God. Every time that the enemy tempts him in the wilderness, he says, no, 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 it is written. And so he's so confident in what he knows God says about him that it doesn't really matter what the enemy does. He combats it with the word of truth. And can I just remind you that anytime you're in a wilderness, that is a time to dig deeper into the word of God. If you're going through something difficult and it feels like there's no way out, this is a moment to dig into the word of God. It is written, right? And here's where we get into trouble. It's when the devil knows the word of God better than we do. And then we have no clue what ground we can stand on. And we have no clue what belongs to us and what our promises are sealed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. So there's thoughts of temptation. And here's the third one. And this is by no means a comprehensive list, but these are just some that I think will happen in all of our lives. The third kind of thought that the enemy plants and likes to live rent free up there is thoughts of confusion. I want you to think about this. This is what Satan did in the Garden of Eden with Eve. He says, hey, I know you think God said that, but this is what he really said. And he tries to confuse her about what God's intentions are for her. And you need to know this. Wherever there is confusion, wherever there's this fog and this haze, and you're not sure where to go, it has nothing to do with God, and it has everything to do with your enemy. Because wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's clarity. 
You ever notice when you just kind of get in God's presence and you open up his word, all of a sudden you're thinking, man, that is so obvious, but I have missed that for 10 years. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit like illuminates, it's like a light bulb comes on inside of you and you're like, I get it for the first time. So the enemy brings confusion, and it could be confusion about the next step in your life, confusion about where you should work, confusion about your relationships, confusion about sexuality. You name it, the enemy is great. He's a mastermind at mastering your mind and planting thoughts of confusion in your mind. So that's the challenge. But can I give you some good news? Here's the good news. God wants you to live in freedom. And so today I have a very simple mission. I want you, I wanna help you to move from rent-free to set-free. That's, that's God's plan for you. If you're taking notes, write that down. God wants me to move from rent-free to set-free. This is what Galatians chapter five, verse one says. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So that's what we're gonna talk about just for the next few minutes today. And I wanna give you three practical handles. I usually preach in threes. I'm gonna give you three easy ways that you can make this different on Monday. Like you can go home and things can start to change today, tomorrow. Here's the first one. The first thing God wants us to do if we wanna move from rent-free to set-free, we have to find the right yoke. We have to find the right yoke. Let me explain that. And I wanna do that by continuing in Galatians chapter five, verse one. This is the second part. So remember, he says, it is for freedom that God has set you free. And then he says, this is good. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, what is the apostle Paul saying here? This is interesting. He is saying that it is entirely possible to love Jesus and be on your way to heaven and know all the songs when you sing at church and have your church merch, got some on right now, and eat Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. It is entirely possible to have all those things going for you and still not live in freedom. To be free on paper, but not in practice. To know I'm free up here, but it never gets down into my heart and I never walk in the freedom that God's called me to live in. So what is the problem? Why, why is that possible, you might ask? Well, it, it all goes back to what Paul mentions here. It's something called a yoke of slavery. Now, this is interesting because we don't talk about yokes a whole lot in 2024. So... I brought pictures because I want to just show you what we mean. They can throw these pictures up on the screen so you can get an idea. Now, this is interesting. Remember, Jesus is talking to people in agrarian times, and so this resonated with them. This is something they were around all the time. And here's what they would do. They would have these massive oxen that weighed thousands of pounds. They would put this yoke on top of them, and it would connect to a plow, and this would help them to turn over the rich soil which was underneath the surface so that they could farm, so that they could plant the seeds and, and then eventually harvest them and get a crop. But there was one problem. If they tried to yoke an oxen when it was full grown, it was too strong, and it didn't like the yoke, and it would buck the yoke off. It wouldn't allow the yoke to control it. So farmers started to wise up, and you know what they did? They started to yoke them when they were young so that all they ever knew was the yoke. And actually, it's kind of crazy. Not only would they learn to tolerate the yoke, but they would actually like the yoke because it was this familiar form of captivity and they thought they were free. 
And so if you're following, and I wanna give a shout out and give credit where credit is due. If you ever wanna hear an amazing message on this topic, look up Ron Carpenter and Yoke in YouTube, and it's, he digs a lot deeper into this. But if you're following, here's, here's what we're saying. They would yoke them when they were young so that when they were old, they would allow the yoke to control them. And I think this is really interesting because I don't know about you, but there are some habits and some behaviors and some struggles and addictions that have followed me through my life and I have had to fight tooth and nail to conquer them. And if I'm really honest, some of it started when I was 12 years old. For me, it was, it was looking at images that I'm not proud of. And I remember the first time I saw one when I was 12 years old. And it took me 30 seconds to see that image and it took me 25 years to unsee it. And so the enemy yoked me when I was young. A pastor's kid, loved Jesus. All kinds of things that, that are layers to that story and I, I like to share them at camps wherever I go and in settings where I can help people. But maybe for some of you, it's a limiting thought and, and it was a teacher when you were just a, a tiny kid and they spoke something discouraging over you or limiting over you and, and you, you don't realize it, but when you go to do things even today at 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, it was that limiting thought from when you were a child or a teenager and it's still wreaking havoc on you. Maybe for some of us, it was abuse. And, and so we're walking through life and, and because we've never dealt with the pain of abuse and because the enemy yoked us at a young age with pain, we're medicating that pain just because we need just a moment to not feel it. We just, wanna, we just wanna numb ourselves and we walk through life not free because of those things. And here's, here's the scary part. Did you know that it is possible, this is really what the enemy is brilliant at, it is possible to not only tolerate your yoke, but you actually start to, after a while, you start to like it. And this is where he's really brilliant. He starts to convince you that your chains aren't really chains at all. And so when, when we start to like our chains, then we start to celebrate our chains and we start to post about our chains and we throw parties for our chains and we start to celebrate the very thing that is keeping us in bondage and we actually hold it up as liberation. I'm living a free life because I do this, that, or the other thing. Isn't he brilliant? This is what the enemy does. Young people, can I just talk to you for a second? This is why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because whoever you're hitched to determines the direction of your life. So listen, free people have free friends. You cannot want to live in freedom, but then hang out with people that are in chains and expect to live in freedom. And it's okay to, to hang out with people that don't know Jesus. God commands it. That's the whole point of evangelism. But the goal is, we want, I call them our Friday friends. These are the people that we spend real time with and they know our hearts and our dreams and we spend all kinds of time opening up with them. We want our Friday friends to be free people. And so we have to identify the yoke that we're living under. And, and you might be thinking, man, Joe, that sounds so restrictive. Like, is following Jesus really all about all these do's and don'ts? And I wanna say yes and no. Like, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that following Jesus is just this religious obligation and just kind of these chores that we check off of the list every week. We go, we go to church and I serve because I have to and I give because I don't want God to be mad at me. And that's, that's no way to live. But there is some restriction in a life where you follow Jesus. Think about the Garden of Eden. There's two ways to look at it. You could look at it like God was restricting Adam and Eve and saying, you can't go near that tree. But you could also look, look at it like he was protecting them. 
Because righteousness involves some restriction and some restraint. And so think about it. The enemy twists God's words and they have all of this garden that they can eat the fruit from all of these trees, but he gets them to focus on this one thing. You ever meet somebody that's really disciplined with what they eat? You know, and like they, they haven't had a carbohydrate since 2003. You know, that person, I envy them. But you could say, wow, your, your life is so restrictive. But I think we all know some people and have been some people that kind of just eat whatever we want. And is there a freedom in that? Kind of. But then eventually, when the doctor tells you that your sugar is high and you have diabetes or you have heart issues, where's the freedom in that? And so ultimately, when we live a life of restraint and we surrender to God and we say, God, I'll even follow you through the no's, the N-O's. I'll even follow you when I'm restricted or restrained because I know you have a plan for me that is good. Then ultimately, I live in freedom. Jesus talks about another yoke. And I wanna say this, and I think this is worth writing down. It is impossible to change when we love our chains. It is impossible to change when we love our chains. So we have to see them for what they are or the enemy will keep living rent-free in our mind and we will never walk in God's freedom. Now, this is interesting. When Jesus comes onto the scene, he introduces a different kind of yoke. Let's read this together. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I like this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can I just pose the idea that the reason so many of us live in bondage is because we're really just looking for rest in our souls? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Can I just tell you that no matter how hard you look anywhere else in this world, there is no place where you're going to find lasting freedom and rest for your soul outside of Jesus. And so really, the life of a Christian is saying, I'm setting aside a yoke of slavery. I'm taking on a yoke that is provided by the one who loves me the most because that's where I'm most free. A yoke means I'm yielded. I'm fully yielded and surrendered to his control and wherever he would send me and wherever he would want me to go. So let's finish reading this. For my yoke is over easy and my toast is, okay, I'm sorry, I added that part. I added that part. Couldn't help myself. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Really, the journey of a Jesus follower is a trade-in, one yoke for another. So I'm just gonna ask you, have you found the right yoke? Because today could be the day. Gotta find the right yoke. Here's number two. This is something you have to know. I spoke to students and, and kids in the, in the first part of the message. Let me just speak to some adults and some people that are parents or maybe future parents in the room. You have to know this. Your yoke doesn't just affect you. Your yoke doesn't just affect you. And I think we tend to think, oh man, the games and the things that I allow the enemy to do in my mind, they're just affecting me. And man, I, I want the best for my children and I really want my children and my grandchildren to succeed and I really don't have any control over this. So God, I just pray it all works out in the end. But no, you need to know your yoke doesn't just affect you. Parents, you gotta know this. It is possible to pass chains onto your children and chains onto your grandchildren and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. So we have to know this and we have to be aware of it so that we can break the cycle and break the chains, right? You might, you might wonder like, man, why is it that my great-great-grandpa and my grandma and my dad, they all struggled with 
addiction to substance, and, and now here I am with the same problem. Man, it just seems like mental uh, issues running my family, and I just feel like anxiety and depression, worry. It's just like that was a problem for, for my great-great-grandma and my mom, and now I'm wrestling with it. And, and here's the reality. You might think, why would that happen if I love Jesus and I'm a Christian? And here's the truth. One pastor says it this way. Well, it's because Jesus lives in your heart, but Grandpa lives in your bones. And so you have, you have your great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, Adam, to thank for that, really, Really, your original family tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? That's when sin entered the world. And so the Bible says, from my mother's womb, I was stained with iniquity. Iniquity is a sin that's passed down from you through generations. It's different than just like a sin I choose to commit. It's something I inherit. It's almost embedded in my DNA. Now, here's the good news. The, the gospel is that now we belong to a new family tree and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. Anybody else thankful for that, that, that now we've been grafted into a new family and he gives us a new family name. We're a Christian, we're a Christ follower. But parents, you gotta know this. You can pass chains on to your children. I just wanna give you a couple of quick examples to encourage you. I'm gonna read this so I get it right. There's a, a story there's an American educator and his name was A.E. Winship and he decided to trace the descendants of Jonathan Edwards. We'll put a picture up here of Jonathan Edwards almost 150 years after his death. Excuse me. And here, here, this is crazy. His findings are remarkable, especially when compared to another man from the same time period known as Max Jukes. You can see his picture there. Excuse me one second. Talk amongst yourself. Now, Jonathan Edwards, this is his legacy. They looked at his lineage, his descendants for 150 years, and this is what they discovered. Jonathan Edwards had a legacy that included one U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates. Isn't that amazing? Now, anybody that knew Jonathan Edwards would tell you that they, number one, attribute that to his wife. Can I get an amen, ladies, you know? But also because he loved Jesus. He was a pastor, and he was so passionate about teaching people how to follow Jesus. Of course, his kids saw that close up. Now get this, Max Jukes, his legacy came to people's attention when the family trees of 42 different men in the New York prison system were traced back to him. He lived in New York at about the same period as Edwards. The Jukes family originally was studied by sociologist Richard L. Dugdale in 1877. Listen to this, Jukes' descendants included seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol, and of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. Can I just ask you at surface value, what was the difference between these two men? I really believe it was the difference of which yoke they decided to live under. One decided to live under a yoke of slavery. One decided to live under a yoke of freedom in Christ. I think it's, it's interesting even just to look at organ transplants. I learned this just in the last two weeks. 
There is a phenomenon that occurs when the recipient of an organ transplant starts to kind of go through life after the transplant had happened, and especially it happens with hearts, but it can happen with all kinds of things. They start to take on the traits and the characteristics of the previous owner. Isn't that crazy? And so their family will say, wow, like their personality changed and, and their, their personality traits are way different than they were before. And, and even some of their skills and abilities or some of the issues and the hangups that they had, they all changed when they received this, trans, this transplant. It's a really interesting phenomenon. It's almost just as if to say that that was embedded in their DNA. It was just kind of handed to them. They didn't ask for it, but it was just something that was. Now that can work in a negative sense, but can I just encourage you? We talked about this a little bit. But think about this, when you decide to follow Jesus, you kind of get a heart transplant, right? And Jesus and his desires and his personality traits and his character start to live on the inside of you. And as you renew your mind and you have the mind of Christ, you start to look like him and you start to walk like him and you start to talk like him. One person says it this way, whatever walks in the father runs in the sons. It can work both ways. I like to say it this way. You need to know this. If it's not defeated in your life, it'll be repeated in theirs. It might even be exceeded. If it's not defeated in your life, dad, it'll be repeated in your sons. I promise you, it will. I'll give you a great example. King David. King David had, let's, I wanna make sure I get the number right here. Yeah, he had seven known wives 10 concubines, it was a different time, okay? Seven wives, God bless them. And uh, 10 concubines, but listen to this. Solomon, his son, had 700 wives, 300 concubines. If it's not defeated in your life, David famously struggled with women. Solomon famously struggled with women. It's almost like it was passed on. And God wants you to be in freedom so your kids can be in freedom and I think parenting is humbling because can I just be honest, like 95% of what I have to correct in my kids is stuff I'd modeled in front of them anyways. Really, parenting is just trying to deprogram your kids from the things you taught them that they shouldn't know. Can I get an amen? Like, kids, thank you for let us experimenting on you. Like, we appreciate it. But here's, here's the good side. This is, this is the reality, that in the same way that works in the negative direction, parents, you could break the chains on your children. You could set off a chain reaction that changes your legacy and changes your family. This is what my dad did. No one in, in the past before my dad and their family had known Jesus, and he was a mess because of it. But he encounters Jesus, and one by one, the people in his family started to, to meet Jesus. And today, I think we have over 15 people that are in the ministry in our family that have planted churches all over Ohio and the world and different continents. And it all started because just one person just wanted to break the chains and end the cycle. Mark Batterson is an amazing pastor, and he's written a lot of really great books. Circle Maker is probably my favorite if you ever want to read a really cool one. And his grandpa was a pastor just like him. And when his grandfather passed away, he, he inherited his journal. So he's reading through his prayer journal from 50, 60, 70 years before Mark was ever even alive. And he starts to weep because he starts to realize that he is living out some of the answers to the prayers that his grandfather prayed over him before he was even born. Can I just tell you, this is the beauty of when we decide, hey, it could start today. It could start today. My family could look different. My legacy could look different. I could move from rent-free to set-free if I allow God to do something incredible in my life. All right, here's the third and final one. The third thing you need to know is that new patterns 
take us to new places. New patterns take us to new places. This is what Romans chapter 12, verse two says. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you know that this world has a pattern? There is a way of thinking that culture tells us we have to think like, pattern ourselves after. And what's the thing about patterns? Patterns create habits and repetition. And it's like we just keep doing them over and over again. And it almost becomes this repetition turns into a rut and we get stuck in our minds. We don't even know there's a better way to think. We don't even know there's a better way to live. Maybe we could say it this way. If you don't like the place, we gotta change the pattern. If you don't like waking up the next day after a wild night and you don't like the feeling of shame, you don't like not remembering who you slept with the night before and you don't like, you don't like the feeling of, of losing your temper all the time and feeling like, man, my, my mind just gets triggered because of the trauma I never addressed. If you don't like that feeling of clicking on things you're not proud of and waking up the next day and saying, God, I'm sorry, can I just tell you, if you don't like the place, just change the pattern. That's the good news is there's an answer for this. It's not just I'm gonna white knuckle it until Jesus comes back and hope that I don't screw up too bad. It's no, I'm gonna renew my mind. I'm gonna rethink the way that I think. So new patterns take us to new places. I wanna give you an example. This is from when I was a child. We had an above ground swimming pool at our house and nothing special, just like one of those ones, you know, that was a big, you know, circle. And, but one of the most fun things we used to do as kids is we would do a whirlpool you know what I'm talking about? And so we would just kind of start going in circles. And at first, it was honestly, it was kind of hard, you know, three or four people in this pool, and we were just working against the water. And then here's what would start to happen. As we would do it over and over again, it would get easier and easier. And then eventually, you kind of get just kind of carried by the current. You didn't know I was going to be doing ballet up here today, huh? But I don't know if you would do this, but here's what we would do just to make it interesting. At a certain point, we would say, change directions. And then we would start to trudge through the water. And it was so hard. The first couple times around, it seemed like nothing would ever change. It seemed like nothing would ever be different. But eventually what would start to happen, we'd start to walk in the opposite direction. And before you know it, carry us in the other direction. And can I just encourage you, if you kind of feel like, hey, I am being swept away by the current of my past mistakes and it's making life really difficult. Listen, it took a lot of bad decisions to get you in the place that you're in. It took a lot of toxic thinking to land me in a place where I'm in an invisible prison. And it's gonna take some times around and around and around. But this is how we grow. Reps lead to rhythm. This is how a disciple is made. It's daily deciding I'm gonna pick up my cross and deny myself and follow Jesus. So be encouraged by that. Now, here's where I want to end. And uh, I'm going to invite my wife, if she can hear me, to come up and tickle the old ivories for me. Oh, what do you know? That worked. I like it. I'm going to remember that for around the house. Just <laughs> Can we give it up for my wife? She's pretty amazing. C sharp. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Okay. Now, let's talk about, just as we end, how does that look practically? It's all well and good to say, hey, yeah, we want to go the right way and kind of just circle in God's direction. But what does that look like practically? I want to read a scripture to you that I think will be so helpful. I'm, I really endeavor every time I preach not to impress you with these constructs that just kind of go over our head. 
I want to make Monday look different, okay? So this is something you can take into Monday. You can use this on your way to work. You can use this at work when you need to take a break so you don't strangle somebody. You know, you can use this at the house when you're talking to your husband or your wife, your kids, that difficult person that lives next door to you. It can work anywhere. This is Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Now, if I could make a recommendation on a really great book, one of my favorite theologians and scholars, he's one of the greatest Bible teachers that's ever walked the planet. His name is Rick Renner. We've had Rick Renner into our church several times over the years. And he wrote a really good book called Gems from the Greek, Sparkling Gems in the Greek. And really what he does is he's a Greek scholar. So he's taking, you know, the New Testament was written in in Greek. He's taking it. And instead of us feeling like, hey, it's all Greek to me, you know, he's saying, hey, this is the meaning behind the meaning. And it's really interesting. So he's taking this word rule, you know, let the peace of God rule in your hearts richly. He's taking it and he's just unpacking it. And so this is the Greek word, brabuo, brabuo. And they'll put it up here on the screen. This is interesting. It means to be an umpire to decide or determine, to direct, control, rule. And so this would have been used even in ancient Greek times at sporting events. Think about this, we're about to watch some football tonight, you know, we're in the NFL playoffs, and if there's something that happens on the field, what do they typically do if there's some controversy? They, they bring it up to the booth, and then the booth will make the call because they have a higher vantage point They can see what's right from wrong, what's in bounds from what's out of bounds. And this is what he's saying the Holy Spirit and the peace of God can do in your life. That when there are thoughts that are outside of the bounds of God's word, when there are thoughts of anxiety and worry and frustration and fear and dread and hopelessness, that the Holy Spirit through the peace of God can be an umpire, can be a referee who's calling the shots in your life. So get this, we could reread it this way. It could also be translated this way. Let the peace of God call the shots in your life. Let the peace of God be the umpire in your life and actions. Let the peace of God act as a referee in your emotions and decisions. The Bible says, take every thought captive and then what? Make it obey Christ. And so can I just give you some homework this week? As you walk through your week, think about how different your week would look if you just let the peace of God rule in your heart, rule in your mind. Think about how quickly you would move from the enemy living rent-free up there to set free. And then we gotta surround ourselves with some people. This is why a church family is so important. This is why groups are so important. Because then when we're thinking those thoughts that are coming at us and we just need some feedback and we need somebody to remind us who we are and remind us what the referee says, we got a coach on the field that says, hey, you can do it. Keep going. We're in this together. We're gonna end here. And I just wanna plug the deeper retreat one more time. I mentioned that there's gonna be some special breakout sessions. So the night services and one afternoon session, Pastor Alan Hickman is gonna be there. He has a gift of prophecy and it is the most unweird spiritual experience I've ever had when it comes to prophecy because I've had some weird ones. But it is just so naturally supernatural how he just listens to God, encourages people. Prophecy should never embarrass you. It should never feel, make you feel uncomfortable. It's an encouragement, you know? It helps you keep going. And I, can't, I could tell you story after story 
of how God used him, but he'll be there. But then we're gonna do some breakout sessions that are just gonna be so fun. One of them is, is with Pastor Joe, and it's called Ask Me Anything. We're just gonna put Pastor Joe and me and a couple other people on stage. We're just gonna let you ask us whatever you want, the stuff we can't always talk about. We'll give you a chance to maybe even submit questions ahead of time, but you could text in in the moment. So that's fun. But then we have another session and it's called Anxious for Nothing. And we're gonna have Eliza Prokop who attends the BC Warren campus and she is a clinical psychologist, Christian. Her and my mom are gonna do a session on how we battle anxiety and depression and worry. So, I mean, you want a life-changing day and a half? You want to go deeper? I love that video. This is what happens when you, when you dare to just go a little deeper. Get out of your comfort zone. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just have a moment with God. For some of you, I, I have a thought in my mind that possibly as I was preaching, there were a few things that you know, hey, they've been living rent-free in my mind and I want some freedom. Do you know that you don't have to wait till a retreat or wait till somebody lays hands on you or wait for this magical, mystical moment to have freedom? It's just a decision right now that I'm gonna live in God's freedom. Maybe I'm gonna surround myself with some different people. Maybe I'm gonna eliminate some negative toxic shows or media or songs. And I'm just gonna allow the voice of God to start permeating my life and change the very culture of my home and the way that I see my life. But can I just give you an opportunity to surrender that to God? I say this all the time, but you will never have a whole mind until you give God your whole mind. You have to allow him to occupy every part of your heart. So can I just give you an opportunity? I'm just gonna take a minute and I wanna invite you just in the privacy of your seat. No one else is looking at you. It's between you and God. Can you just hold out your palms, hands up to, to God? And I want you to just offer to him that thing that has been living rent free in your mind. It might be 10 things. Surrender it to him. Now, can you pray this with me? Let's all pray this together. Say, dear God, I reject the yoke of slavery and every lie from the enemy. And I receive your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light. I wanna live in freedom. So have your way in me. Have my whole heart, have my whole mind. Bring people into my life that can help me to walk in freedom. And I'll follow you one step at a time. In Jesus' name. Now heads bowed, eyes closed. Amen to that. One final thing. Maybe you've been coming to BC for a little while and I love to ask this as often as I can. If you can't remember a moment in your life, not where you say, I believe in a God or I believe there's a higher power, but... I believe Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's what he says of himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I like to say it this way. Have you given Jesus the driver's seat? Have you said, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm kind of a wreck without you. I need you. All of us that are following Jesus have a moment we can remember where we've done that. But if you can't remember that, I just want to pray a prayer with you. And the Bible says that when we believe in our heart and say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. We're rescued from an eternity separated from him because of our sin. And the Bible says he became sin so that we could become right with him. It was an exchange. 
So can we pray that together? And anyone who hasn't prayed that before, you might not feel goosebumps and it might not feel a whole lot different, but in your heart and spiritually, there is a miracle that is taking place. And you can have a confidence to know that when I'm done with this world, I'm headed to a place called heaven for all of eternity to be with him. But the best part, heaven wants to get into your here and now. Say this with me, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive the free gift of salvation and I'll follow you with everything I've got. Now help me to change my mind, change the way I think, make me more like you. And I won't be perfect, but every day I'll follow you. In Jesus' name. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.